Welcome to the Zeno Podcast, where we talk about how we shape stories and how they shape us. Today, we have Dr. Cruse. She's a doctor of political science here at BYU-Hawaii. She's also from here. Um, she's also part of a group called Pacific Climate Warriors, and she just wrote a book called The Pacific Insular Case of American Samoa, Land Rights and Law in the Unincorporated U.S. Territories. So, thanks for being here. Aloha. <laughs> And then we also have a guest host, Michaela Stone from the Reading Writing Center. Yeah, my name's Mickey Stone. I'm standing in for Jackson Grubb. He's on a DC political science trip. Yeah. So that's why I'm here. Yeah. So she's also a political science major. So this is matching up perfectly. <laughs> it is. Mickey was in my political science 101 class and to my 101 class last semester. Talofa, I miss you guys. <laughs> And Mickey's now in my 110 class, and Carly actually came to give a seminar on behalf of the Reading and Writing Center on to help my students really put together a great essay. So um, it's so great to be with you guys here today. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Like, that's a lot. That's so awesome. Um, well, before we get started, we have a question for you, just so we can get to know you. Ooh, okay, I love it. <laughs> All right. So, if you could be any sea creature, extinct or not, what would you be? My 11-year-old son. This is his area. He's planning on being a zoologist. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. So, he knows more about any sea creature than any man I know on this earth. So, any sea creature, I hope I exceed his expectations, but I would probably be a seahorse. Oh, really? For the simple fact, it it is one of his favorite. Cute. Uh, so, yes. And that is my answer. Do I win a prize? <laughs> of course. <laughs> if we had a prize, we would totally get it to you. So, yes, a seahorse. Cool. Okay. So, just getting into your book, um, I really don't know where to start because there's a lot of stuff to cover, but maybe just the history between America and Samoa and then getting into that a little bit. Okay. So... Into well, starting off for the book, yeah. so American Samoa for the general, I guess, general public, most Americans don't know that the United States they have um, 16 territories, and of the 16 territories, there are five territories that have permanent populations, and American Samoa is one of those five. And of those five, it is a pretty much a political and legal anomaly. It is the only unincorporated and unorganized territory that the United States holds today. Mm -hmm. So with that distinct feature, it's pretty much a unique situation that American Samoa has. So for example, American Samoans, and there are a lot out there here Mm -hmm. at BYU-Hawaii, Talofa, (laughs) they are U.S. nationals. They are not U.S. citizens. So part of the unincorporated and unorganized status is unlike Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands and Guam, they are all US citizens. Thereby they have full rights to the constitution and they vote for the president. Mm. American Samoans, by way of what is called the insular cases, they're a set of cases decreed by the United States Supreme Court has determined that American Samoans only receive fundamental rights prescribed by the Constitution. So they do not vote for the United States president. And in order to gain citizenship, you have to be living in a continental state for a prescribed time. And then that is your pathway to citizenship. Okay, cool. So when you started writing the book, 
or I guess it started out as your PhD paper. Or yes. Your, yeah. So it's, well, the interest actually started here. Okay. So Oceanic Governments, that. it started off with a class that was taught by Dr. John Jonathan, mm-hmm. and he was the first Pacific Islander tenured uh, professor here in the political science club, um, political science department. And then I had his class, and then I learned about land tenure. I had no idea about mm-hmm. in terms of land ownership and how indigenous peoples from American Samoa, how they've been displaced. I always thought being a Samoan, we own our lands, and that's the end of the story. Mm-hmm. But then coming to college, right, you learn all these, <laughs> these like, new things. On. I know, right? You're learning things, hey. And then I realized in its classes, wait, we can be displaced and we can be dispossessed. And so when I started taking graduate classes here at Manoa, uh, that's where I received my doctorate. When I got into my doctorate program, in my book, I talk about, I read an article and I distinctly remember this. I was in Sakamaki Hall on the third floor and I was taking a Pacific history class. Mm -hmm. And I even remember my professor, there was an assigned reading and in one of the reading it had a, you know how your professors make you read all these supplemental articles? Yeah. Well, I was single, and I had nothing else going on, so I'm going to read all of them. And I read the supplement. Stay single. Right? (laughs) No, that's not what I say in my classes, actually. (laughs) But then I I was reading the article, and it was talking about indigenous land. And it was talking about indigenous land is a cankerous sore. Hmm. So there is a frontier um, scholar. It's an American historian, and he is known to be of a frontier scholarship. And he wrote about the American frontier and how we need to own land and how land is in a Republican ideal. Remember that, Mickey, from our 101 and 110? Yeah. All right. Wait, explain right. it. Explain it. So land is a fundamental principle of uh, pretty much an American-style democracy and a okay. Republican democracy where it values the individual. Okay. Right? And so it values land ownership. Mm -hmm. And so the symbol of a free democracy is for a person and his individual right, apart from a king, to be able to own land. And so when I was reading this article in my doctorate classes, a historian that's called Frederick Jackson Turner, Mm -hmm. he's an American historian, 20th century, and he wrote, customary land is a cankerous door to progress. Mm. And here I am, a Samoan. Customary lands are built into our Fasamor way of life. And I thought, wait, what are you trying to tell me? And I was being told by this author that customary lands get in the way of economic development, get in the way mm. of progress, get in the way of democracy. And to be honest, that pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. I read that article and I said, wait a minute. And then there are other, other scholars, not just American historians, but there were others that were saying indigenous rights, indigenous customary way of living, communal lifestyle, it's hurting you. And I thought, no, it doesn't. We have hybrid societies that have mm-hmm. customary and indigenous. You can do it. Mm-hmm. And then I started, as I started moving along in my classes, I found, wait, this isn't just a Samoan issue. This is really an international issue that faces all indigenous peoples on how first world nations try to describe indigenous societies and how their communal lifestyle, they perceive it to be a cankerous sore to a Western mm-hmm. kind of development. Right. And then that has tentacles eh, into all other arenas, but it was that article that I read from my mm-hmm. Pacific history class here at UH Manoa that really opened up my lens to say, I, I think this is an arena I wanna go to. Kind of speaks to me as a person, it speaks to me 
and it really hit a passion. And I remember being in school here at BYU, and a professor once told me, you're going to know what you're going to want to do when it either makes you really upset or when it makes you fall in love with it. And for me, <laughs> I wasn't in love with it. <laughs> awesome. Right. Cool. Yeah, I just have so many questions to ask. Um, so why was America interested in Samoa to begin with? Like, okay. To um, go, and was it their land, or was it like the, the things that they could carry back, or is it mostly, like, how did that happen? Okay, so pretty much in this era, um, leading up to the Spanish-American War, America, in terms of international relations, we were really kind of the child at the table. Mm -hmm. You know, the child, when you come and sit down, you normally have a different table with other children, and all mm -hmm. the adults sit in one children, and they get fed first, and they get mm -hmm. the big dishes, right? Well, America wasn't treated like that, and it was treated like a child, and they really wanted to sit at the adult table. Mm -hmm. And Spain and Great Britain, they had, they had pretty much centuries of colonizing imperialism, and when I say that, I mean they had a lot of land ownership. They, have a, they had at that time a lot of slaves. They had a lot of servants. They had to build their country through um, the design of having labor all over the world, right, to make things for them cheaper. And America wanted that. Mm -hmm. And so it looked to all these outposts. So instead of what Fr um, Frederick Jackson Turner said, going west, they went all over the world. And part of this was going into the Pacific and the Caribbean. So it was pretty much for two reasons. One was for military advantage. Uh, the Navy was really vying for harbors. They okay. wanted that Pacific Harbor between Asia and towards continental America. And then at that mm -hmm. time, San Francisco was our hub, our transshipment okay. hub. So one is military, and then the two is they wanted that transshipment point right in the middle for fueling A. And so that was the reason why they were looking at the South Pacific. You wanted to really balkanize the Pacific, the South Pacific per se. Mm -hmm. okay. So I have a question. Okay, let's do this. So American Samoa, was the United States also interested in making Samoa, what like we know as those islands, a part of the U.S. territory? Like was there okay. ever? That's such a good question. And see, and that's a real fundamental difference, is America had no territories. If you think about Spain and Great Britain and all of these European countries, they have had centuries of territories. America had no territories, right? I mean, you remember, Mickey, when we talked about this in 110 class in the beginning, right? Right, coming just out of the Revolutionary War, right, and creating the Constitution, and then moving along at this part, they wanted to have territories, but they didn't know how. Mm -hmm. And herein lies this opportunity to have outposts in the Pacific. <clears throat> so originally, how, Ameri how America came into contact with American Samoa, they already had sent dispatches to what I want to call the independent state of Samoa now. The reason why I say that now is if I use the terminology from before, mm -hmm. people may get confused of timelines. So let's okay. just call it the independent state of Samoa now. Mm -hmm. They had already sent dispatches there. At that time, that was kind of the bustling hub of commerce. They were already more metropolitan in terms of international countries, right? Mm -hmm. 
wanting to seek land and seek, they really wanted cooperation. They wanted partnership in the Pacific. Mm -hmm. Samoa was already vied, was already landed. And then what they did is they pretty much balkanized. So at that time, Samoa and American Samoa, we were one. And when we were one and we all um, were led by traditional chiefs. So we had what is called, I've used the term before, but it was really Fa Samoa. It's the embodiment of Samoan culture. And as that one, Great Britain, Germany, and the United States, they created what was called the Treaty of Paris, mm-hmm. and they split us up. Okay, okay so the two sides. So, yes, yeah, so America got what was called Eastern Samoa, and then Germany then received or had signed on through the Treaty of Paris, independent state of Samoa, what was once called Western Samoa. And that is why when you hear students or you hear older people, sometimes they'll refer to Samoa in three different ways. <laughs> Samoa, Western Samoa, and what is now the political term is the independent state of Samoa. Okay, okay. Because it came under the Treaty of Paris, and then New Zealand came under under the League of Nations, and then it became the first independent country in Samoa. Okay. It's got waves of history, right? So, But I want to make this a very... I'm going to put my line in the sand. A lot of times you're going to read in history books that American Samoa was colonized. That is, in fact, a misstatement in an inaccurate history. Um, It's a rewriting of history. American Samoa was never colonized. So at the time, yes, Mm -hmm. they signed the treaty, Mm -hmm. and there were no, there was not a Samoa. Uh, independent state of Samoa representative. There was no American Samoa representative. However, for American Samoa's perspective, all of the chiefs in 1900, they had signed what is called a deed of uh, session, Mm -hmm. and it pretty much gave their loyalty and allegiance to America. And in return, America would respect two things, Mm -hmm. the culture, which is Fa Samoa, or the way of Samoa life, and communal lands or customary lands and it's written into our uh, American Samoa Constitution. Okay, so it's never technically colonized. No, and when you read readings and you read history books, it's always gonna say, you know, the Pacific was colonized, Samoan, American Samoa was colonized. A lot of American Samoans rebut that revision of history because they were never, the Ali'i or what is called the chiefs signed Mm -hmm. the deeds over of the lands and their allegiance. There was never a time that American Samoa was ever colonized by a foreign power. So it was a deal, kind of. It was a deal, right? It was a mutual agreement that we came into, right? And if um, there are our former congressman, any Faleo Mavaenga, he had said that technically it would have been a treaty, but because it was termed a deed. People kind of see it as an inferior document when, in fact, it truly was. We were a sovereign people, and we signed our allegiance and our loyalty over to the U.S. So what's the definition difference between a treaty and a deed? It's significant in a political community. A deed, you kind of think of it like your land. Mm -hmm. Just a deed, and I can pass it around, and you can own it, and then you can inherit it, Mm -hmm. and then you can will it to me. It's something casual, it's something common. A treaty is something very specific. Remember Mickey in our class in 110, right? Who is the only branch that can sign the treaty between countries. Mickey, you got this. Executive? (laughs) Yes! 
So a treaty, it, inherently, the way we think of it in our American tr- tradition, it is to the executive only, and it is this great power, right? Yeah. And it's not something that is so common. And the reason why there is a lot of reverence and there's a lot of humility and um, respect given to American Samoans and looking at it is because we feel it is a treaty. It, it invokes that much power because it was our our highest matai that signed our loyalty and our and our lands are are basically all of our future generations we're, we're giving this to you and in return you will respect the way of life mm-hmm. that we live and it's a mutual agreement between our two powers but oftentimes western scholars like mm-hmm. to reduce it right where we weren't that sovereign and they like to reduce it and reduce it if you read history books about hawaii right she yeah. really isn't really a queen she was mm-hmm. just a daughter of, a, right. of an elite they try to reduce our history and minimalize it mm-hmm. okay. so how did this treaty benefit america and samoa Basi- like would it protect samoa against america or like just like we're friends like we're nothing's gonna happen i guess I just yes and that's it we wanted okay. to be friends but we wanted to come under the protection of the american military oh, okay and so, so we'll protect you yes you, and yeah. american samoa in terms of its harbor it's um extremely deep mm-hmm. and in terms of a natural protected harbor we had one of the best harbors in the Pacific. So if you read military history, the Department of State at the time, they were writing the president, we need that harbor. And so they wanted to create a naval station and a coaling station, and they were vying American Samoa. Pango Pango Harbor is actually what it's called, pretty much the the jewel of the Pacific. Wow, that's really cool. Because I always thought of it as colonization, and I kind of felt bad. I was like, why are we over there? Why are we messing, you know, messing around again with another country? But that's awesome if we could kind of. But how did it work out, I guess? Like, what's the end result? Um, Because clearly they're not part of America still. So is that kind of They are. American Samoa. So. We're still a territory. Okay, they're still a territory, but not a state. One of the five, yes. Okay. And that's where the unorganized and unincorporated comes from, right? So we're unorganized because there is no congressional organic act that creates a formal relationship. So every one of the other territories that has an organic act, Mm -hmm. and these are the laws prescribed to it, but we don't have that. We still come under somewhat of the deeds of session and any insular case in the Supreme Court. And so we pretty much rock and roll by those two kinds mm-hmm. of, um, I guess, life streams from the federal government to us. And then everything else we do locally, eh? Yeah. So, yes. Is there- an organized act something that you've heard American Samoans want or desire so they can vote and be a little more involved in like the political life of the United States? There's only been once that this mm-hmm. has been put in a plebiscite for all uh, American Samoan residents to vote in, but it was packed and it was packed okay. with a lot of other questions. So it was oh. either a yes or no to a list, uh, you know, a litany oh. of questions. And it was only one time in the history you know, since 1900, and it's now 2018. So, no, and the reason why is because we want the protection of our Matai system. So the the Fa'a Matai system, right, it's the way of our chiefly system. And so it's a chiefly system that we have, and then it also, by not being a state, it also protects our customary lands. 
because customary lands are chief represent right our families in order to distribute lands and to make decisions on behalf of us so you couldn't have that as a state i mean i can't ban you right from owning land here right because you happen to be non-samoan why because that would be discrimination based on race base remember we talked about this right i can't do that i can't say you can't own land because you're non-samoan it's completely unconstitutional Mm -hmm. here in the state of hawaii they're in the territory where they are not citizens and it's unincorporated you don't have those rights. You meaning you you two as non-Samoans, mm-hmm. you don't have those rights in American Samoa. So you can't say that I'm discriminated against you. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So explain that. Um, is it Fa'amatai Okay. Yes, very good. Okay. (laughs) I was so scared. No, that was really good of you in practicing. (laughs) Yeah, I was just looking at it for a long time. I was like, I'm going to have to say it. No, that's (laughs) good. Yeah, so so Fa'amatai, it translates into Fa'a means in the way of, and Matai is technically the family name. And so family in Samoa is established by blood or by marriage and in many different degrees, but there's a unifying ali'i or a chief. Mm -hmm. And that person has prescribed responsibilities. They distribute land and they also call upon non-titled individuals in the family clans and they do work on behalf of the families. So in essence, it is our representative to give out lands when it needs be in order to stop people from using lands when need be mm-hmm. and distribute resources. So foodstuffs, they distribute. Okay. And so it's basically family clans basically appoint um, Matai title holders, which can be men and women. And then they um, are able to distribute lands and resources on our behalf. Okay. Is it like a voting system? Does somebody vote no, or is it No, this is it not inherited? a democratic system. Okay. So Matai is selected and there's different mm-hmm. ways and that's how they've been able, that's how we are able to adapt in modernity. Every mm-hmm. village, every council, which is a composition of villages, okay. they determine each how on their own they want to elect their Matai. Mm-hmm. So not one village will be cool. exact as another and that's the adaptation that Samoan culture has been able to have, right? Yeah. Over all these um, hundreds of years, eh? Yeah, wow, that's super cool. It's like, it's kind of like a democracy, but not really, like yes, in, not really. individually right. and a democracy, kind of. Right, like well, that. so communally, so for example, mm-hmm. right, Mickey, you get married. When is that, Mickey? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> so say, Mickey, you were someone and you came home with your husband and your children and mm-hmm. you needed a place to stay. You could come to our Matai and then the Matai will distribute a piece of land in our family clan mm-hmm. and you can live there and you can build a house there and you can live there for as long as you want, as long as you are rendering service to the family and to the Matai. So you, nice. your children, your grandchildren can live there. There's no property taxes on communal land. But the idea is obligation. When you come home, I'm going to be your neighbor. And then when I need help, you are going to help me and I'm going to help you. So say your husband joins the military, which for your information, American Mm -hmm. Samoa has the highest recruitment in military in the world. So your husband goes off island and serves. I would be expected to help you and your children because that's how a communal lifestyle works. Mm. Oh, okay. There is not this close the door fences. I seal you off from me and you know me from you. 
-hmm. not wow. in not in communal lands no that's like really awesome that's <laughs> super cool it's like the law of consecration kind of but like with everybody just sharing but only in your family yes like okay just cool. in your family clans right yes cool is there interactions between the different families though like so your obligation is to your matai but right. do the do other like matai like work together towards maybe like an overall yes and that's goal? especially important it's such a good question We've had so many natural disasters, and you know we've talked about America's. You know, actually globally, we've just been having so many natural disasters with climate change and global global warming. When there is a natural disaster, it is expected in this communal lifestyle that everyone is going to help everyone. You know, if there's a mudslide, if this if the road had given way, if the tsunami had come and washed away people's ancestors from the land, it is expected that all of the county help and to preserve everyone's. Um, quality of life so it's not so much that I am going to give this because um, because I must mm -hmm. it's very different it's more of a I love my family and I love um, I love this idea of serving all of my family and my culture so I'm just going to give as much as they need it's kind of a different perspective yeah so if there's, so let's say Mickey gets married to this Samoan man. We're setting you up right now, okay. by the way. <laughs> she moves to that plot of land. What yes. happens to his plot? Or like, do, so now their family is combined, right? right? Or like by that line. Would they live on her family's land or his family's land? Is there like, does it matter? Well, you would have no land because you're non-Samoan. So which, oh, okay. right. Oh, so, no. okay. If there's that's, two Samoans and then they, yes. their family's own land. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's, that's the point of my book. So okay. the point of, so the point of my book is when the Navy first came in 1900, so we became a territory, right? Mm -hmm. So the Treaty of Berlin, it signed over American Samoa, Eastern Samoa to the United States. The president appointed the secretary of the uh, defense to oversee us. So the Secretary of Defense appointed the Navy. So the Navy administered o over American Samoa for 50 years, and it was a unitary government. There were no other branches of government. So the commandant, as he was called, the head of the military, was also the governor and the chief judge. So you remember the Madison, how we talked about the separation of powers? Yeah. It's the embodiment of an American-style democracy. Sorry, we're going to go back into my class. No, it's Make okay. <laughs> I love it that you're here. Take her class, people. <laughs> it's amazing. American government. So that did not happen okay. in American Samoa. So the military commandant were all three in one person. And so... What I'm saying in my book is that when this Navy commandant was also governor and was also chief judge, they had incorporated, because they believed it to be civilized, this principle of land, um, land dispossession, uh, dispos which mm -hmm. is adverse possession. Okay. And so do you, do you both know what adverse possession no. is? Okay, mm -mm. so you can go into a plot of land you can what is called squat there for a certain amount of period, oh, yeah. right? And then if no one comes, that's the true owner, you can go to the registrar's office and register it as yours. Yeah. You can okay. adversely possess it from the true and original owners. 
I've heard that can happen. Like yes. Like people squatting in like million dollar houses that are empty for amount of time and then going and registering. So that time, that is important. Yeah. So in a Western society, adverse possession existed. Yeah. So when the Navy, when Navy came in, they had said, it's a civilized way to create land titles because mm -hmm. in all indigenous societies, and Samoa is no exception, there were no land deeds, there were no right. written records, right? Mm -hmm. we, because we didn't speak English and we didn't have written records. So we didn't have all of those things. So when the Navy came, understandably so, yeah. there were no land deeds at all. So when you had land disputes, you could imagine it was difficult. Yeah. So they allowed adverse possession to come in. Okay. So people could go and adversely possess land. And in my book, that's what I talk about. Okay. They brought it in and they said, this is how civilized societies in the world, this is how their laws function. Mm -hmm. People can adversely possess your land. But the problem with that statement is that before the Navy in the United States came, all land in American Samoa was considered to be native, meaning right. communal. How do you adversely possess communal lands? It's completely unheard of. Mm -hmm. So what had happened is individuals would dispossess Samoans, would dispossess mm -hmm. other Samoans from their lands. So I would go up into the mountains, I would squat there, then we would come to court, right? Mm -hmm. So say I came to your court, right? Yeah. And say you were the commandant. Okay. And I would say, I've been there for 10 years, commandant, right? Mm -hmm. And then the commandant would say, well, how are you going to evidence that? How do you evidence that yeah. when there are no written records? There's no photography, right? right? There's no surveyor he would have to take oral testimony. And this is now where features of colonialism and imperialism would come in. They would reduce it to a certain amount of time. You can only testify for this amount of time. Mm -hmm. So you stop me from testifying based on what my great-grandfather, what my grandfather, what I've seen. They reduced it to 40 years because they said there was too many conflicting stories who owned land. You know, in oral tradition societies, where we would talk about land, it's based on what my parents say. Okay. And what their parents say was based on what their grandparents told them, right? right. That's oral speaking traditions, mm -hmm. right? Well, these American Navy men came and said, well, you all have nothing Western, so we're going to have to do this to you. Yeah. Limit it. And everything else was considered to be hearsay. That really reduced the strength of our power to be able to tell you what we've been told in terms of our genealogies, in terms of where our people are buried. And some lands we purposely keep open for the perpetuation mm -hmm. of our genealogy. And that's where uh, I put into my book, each decade the Naval Administration incorporated individual rights. And that's why I'm saying from the adverse possession in 1900, in the 1970s, they solidified what is called individually owned tenure. Mm -hmm. And it's a form of fee simple. What's that? Compl oh, it's a form of individual ownership. Okay. Now they can deobligate or take land, owned it mm -hmm. individually, has nothing to do with the family. So I could come in. So say Mickey's example, right? Mm -hmm. You live next to me. We're all on communal land. Then one day I go to the court and I say, my five acres, actually I'm adversely possessing it. Mm -hmm. I've been on there for 10 years and it's mine, wow. right? So if the judge says, okay, I award you, it's individually owned, mm -hmm. now I can build my fence. Okay. Now I don't want you to come in. 
now all of the uh, all of the breadfruit, all of the bananas, all of the taro, the access to the stream. Now this is mine. So our chief that lives there, when there's a natural disaster and says, okay, we need this family to come and live with you. You need to give this amount of pounds to that family because they have nothing. Mm-hmm. Now I can yeah. say, <laughs> no, you don't. This is my land. These are my resources. It's no longer communal. Mm-hmm. It's okay. more of a Western American lifestyle. So in my book, I'm saying, as these judges have allowed these different kind of uh, lifestyle and land tenure, it is starting to impact our more way of life yeah so is there a solution to this are you saying like revoke the laws or like go back to communal living is there like a reversal of this process well there's actually go back well that's the kind of conundrum mm-hmm. these aren't foreign people doing this it's right it's actually american Samoans. right right because americans can't own land there right carly she's got it she's got it Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's actually American Samoans themselves that have been individualizing land. Mm-hmm. So what I had said, so I've done two book launches. I've done, well, actually three. Done my first one here at BYU. Yes. Mickey was there. Yes. And then I went to American <laughs> Samoa. I did one there. And then I went to the National University of Samoa in independent state of Samoa where I used to teach. And I did my last one there. And what I am trying to say in writing this book and doing these book launches and here, there is going to come a point, right? Let's use this example again. Mm -hmm. Mickey, move with your husband. Mickey, I'm looking at you. You're not Samoan, are you, Mickey? I'm not. Okay, I'm gonna verify. (laughs) So Mickey's not Samoan. Mm -hmm. Mickey's sitting there, she has her kids, right? Okay, Mickey, you've outlasted everyone 90 years old right (laughs) okay what if one day and mickey's been living there for 30 years what if mickey says one day so you remember i've individualized my land yes what if uncle individualized his land what if cousin-in-law two degrees removed individualized what if mickey looks around all of these communal lands and starts to see wait everyone's individualizing the land what if one day mickey says if American Samoans themselves are not acting and op- or um, giving amongst each other, there's no obligation, they're not practicing in a Samoan way, why can't I own land? Mm-hmm. If American Samoans themselves aren't acting in a way where it gives them the protection to only American Samoan ownership, and Mickey looks around after 30 years and says, I want to own this land. Everyone else has individual ownership. No one else is acting communally. What if Mickey wants to register that land? She will have a very good legal argument to take to the Supreme Court to say, no one else is acting communally. No one else has obligation. No one else is giving to the Fatimatai, to the chief. No one is listening to the chief anymore. We are all acting like Americans. One day, Mickey and all the other individuals living in American Samoans that are in, in American Samoa that are not American Samoans, they are going to argue that. And say, why should I be giving my bananas when they're not giving theirs? Right? Yes, and why can't I own the land? Mm-hmm. Why can't I be chief? Why can't right. I? 
because you're, you're acting like Americans. You're not behaving in the way that Samoans do. Mm-hmm. Let me mm-hmm. be part of it. Let me own the land. And it's going to go to the Supreme Court. So okay. what I'm saying is, as you have more American Samoans not giving into the obligation, not acting within the Fa Samoa way, individualizing wow. things and becoming more Americans in the principle of an individual, mm-hmm. one day soon someone is going to sue. So what I'm trying to say is something has to happen locally. Mm-hmm. We need to either put a moratorium, and you ladies know moratoriums, right? I don't. No. Sorry. Stop. <laughs> okay, so stop it. Put it in the law, an effective mm-hmm. date. As of June 7, 2018, mm-hmm. there will be no more registration of individually owned land. And that will stop the practice of people disenfranchising the cu- customary lands from everyone. Mm-hmm. right? Because this is also another way to look at it, right? If Mickey's living there and I individualize all my five acres, right? Right. Mickey no longer has access to this river that all your kids grew up drinking and Mm -hmm. swimming in. You now have no more access to all of my resources. What if I had the most plentiful bananas on my property and Mm -hmm. I had all the papayas? These are expensive. I had all of it, right, in our family. I can now tell you no because it's mine. I start to what part, what what's called partition. I apportion lands from communal. Mm-hmm. I pretty much put these black crosses on everyone's land and it now becomes mine. Mm-hmm. I split communal resources that once all the families were able to share that you grew up using, knowing, and loving, right? So it impacts generations because you have pockets of lands that I no longer, that you no longer can use because now I have a picket fence up. We are becoming more American. Mm -hmm. We're soon not going to have any more protections because we're not acting that way. The reason why American Samoa, the reason why you can't own land is because culturally, this is my culture in American Samoa. We live a dissimilar life from you folks. Mm -hmm. So because we're not fully incorporated, because we're nationals, we are able to do this. But if we no longer act that way, what makes us any different from you? Right. So it's a little bit of like giving up that culture is going to destroy it. And like possibly. Right. Right? So this isn't a matter of colonization. This Mm -hmm. isn't a matter of a foreign this is a domestic and internal issue mm-hmm. that I believe should be taken care of internally. Because the problem is, Mickey, if you sue, you're going to want to take this to the Supreme Court. And like we said, remember all these issues that are happening. Why would we want a court 3,000 odd miles away that have never been to American Samoa? Why would I trust that you would want to preserve my culture? Because mm-hmm. remember, when it comes to the law, they do not recognize culture. They could give a dang about my fa'i. Mm-hmm. It is all mm-hmm. about the law. What if one day they tell me there's no more communal lands, there's no more matai? Right. So some court 3,000 miles away is going to do this to an entire people in our thousands of years of history. Mm-hmm. And that's the fear. It's scary. And it's a relevant fear, and it's important that we talk about it here because here in Hawaii, they have similar issues where non-Hawaiians have sued. And right, right now... All of us can vote for people that are in the Office of Hawaiian Affairs mm-hmm. because of a lawsuit. So it's not like I'm pulling things out of a hat. Right? <laughs> it's not like I'm just making these things up in some right dark corner. Right. 
there are experiences of our brothers and sisters that indigenous experiences that inform us, make us prepared. And by looking ahead and looking backwards, right, we can kind of see things that have happened. And that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. I can see things that have happened. And so here in this space, I feel very comfortable here in Hawaii. There are mm-hmm. things that have happened to Native Hawaiians that have the same experiences. So based on that, I'm trying to prevent what happened to the Native Hawaiians mm-hmm. to happening to American Samoans. Eh? And it's preventable. It, if, I believe if, so. Yeah. If we ourselves, right, make a path. Mm-hmm. If we ourselves determine how do we address this issue, we could do that and we have the power to do that. But if we don't do it, mm-hmm. and Mickey and all the other non-Samoans that have been living there for generations, giving to education and having children that are great American Samoans in terms of residency, sure. Mm-hmm. But what if one day they all gather together and say, look at our village. It's all people living Palangi, which is mm-hmm. uh, right, mm-hmm. non-American Samoan. They're living Palangi lifestyles. They don't give to the chief. They don't give to us. Let's own this land, right? Yeah. Okay. So you also worked as the Samoan territorial planner. Oh. Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> I guess that was in your book, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That? Okay. okay. So yeah, I moved from independent state of Samoa and I moved mm-hmm. to American Samoa and there was um, a job opening and I applied. And I am the first Samoan territorial planner before mm-hmm. they were all Palangis. Okay. And the idea is because it required a lot of skill and education, there weren't um, that many applicants that were of Samoan ancestry. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I'm actually quite proud that I was That's the awesome, first Samoan. Yeah. And the reason why, and it goes into your question in the mm-hmm. book, when it came to land matters, when you have foreigners that are the territorial planner and they're over economic development and urban planning, there are issues about communal lands, and you have people that were from, oh, let me think of the past. One, <laughs> the lady was from North Carolina before me. The other man was from Wyoming. The other guy was from I- Idaho. The other person before that. Yeah. Okay. okay. All these people come, right, and they've been living in suburban areas or whatever they've been living. All of a sudden, you're in American Samoa. You have communal land issues, right, when mm-hmm. people are saying, they're encroaching on my communal lands, and I, you know, I want A, B, or C. If a foreigner with no Samoan connection, no tradition, you don't go to Samoan events, you don't understand the way the culture works, mm-hmm. it is not far-fetched to see and to imagine they may not fight for issues that yeah. revolve around protections of Samoan land. They may not fight against policies that are contrary to communal land principles. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is what I thought was happening. All these foreigners, year after year, would hold this high position, and no one was fighting for the protections of communal lands. Mm-hmm. And so then I came in, and I had a very particular viewpoint. <laughs> and my particular viewpoint is, through the American Samoan Constitution, it is protected, communal lands and the Matai system. Mm-hmm. And in my job, in my job, I enforce those protections. So in every instance, when I had the opportunity to be on the side of the protections, that's where I would stand, both and, feet and hands. Yeah, and you're protecting those stories from getting eradicated, right? Because now people can talk about their past histories and their communal living systems, right? Yes, yes, yes. and that's that awesome. was, 
Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Important. And yes. then, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. it was really good because awesome. part of my job also was to write grants mm -hmm. and to help to serve communities. I started to write grants in order to perpetuate mm -hmm. communal lifestyles, uh, communal way of living. And a lot of projects we did towards economic development was towards the perpetuation of culture and economic development. I didn't want to sacrifice, right. like that article I was telling you about, where it's a cankerous sore. You can right. do both. Mm -hmm. You just have to have the will and the stamina to do both, because it's not going to come easy. Mm -hmm. Cool. Any cool. more questions? So is your mother American Samoan or Samoan? So both my parents are Samoan from the independent state of Samoan. Okay. My husband, oh, okay. it's my husband that mm -hmm. is American Samoan. So oh, okay. ancestral wise, I am in your boat, Mickey. Ancestral wise, in the law, I am also forbidden from owning land. Okay. I have to be American Samoan. So my okay. husband is from the village of Leone, and he loves to remind <laughs> me from the favorite high school of the earth, the center of the universe. He graduated from Leone High School. Oh, okay. Kind of like a hookoo. Yes, but... <laughs> it's the best. But I, I better stop right there. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so he's from there, and his family is from there. And so when we moved there... I found it, the Lord just placed me in the right place because I had already started my research before I met my husband. Wow. I know, it just wow. kind of fit in. I know when I met, I was like, great. oh, you're valuable in that sense. <laughs> right, Perfect. let's keep rocking. <laughs> right, we'll right. You around. <laughs> you're useful. <laughs> awesome. Well, do you have anything else to add that you want to talk about before we wrap up? Or Were there any other... Sorry. <laughs> Let me kind of borrow. Oh, yeah. Were there any other questions? No, I mean, I just think all of these issues are really relevant because mm -hmm. even if you're not Samoan, yeah. there are so many people that come from indigenous societies that can relate to the land issues, um, whether it's colonialism, imperialism, foreign governments, occupation. These issues that I'm talking about, it's, it's really relevant to a lot of people, even outside of the Pacific. So I think what you're doing now is really important because there's relevance in academia to be able to build off of awesome. and gain knowledge of, right? Yeah, totally. We got to read parts of your book, but I really want to like page beginning to end. So oh, yeah. It was super interesting from what we got to explore. Okay. Where can they find it? Sorry, cut my voice. <laughs> Timestamp. <laughs> wow, cough attack. Wow, you just turned really red. <laughs> I know, who am I embarrassed? Wow. Oh, sorry. Anyway, where can they find your book? Oh, so my book is being sold here at BYU Hawaii. Okay. And then they can also find it. It's on Amazon and it's at, oh gosh, where else? Uh, Palgrave Macmillan, my publisher. Um, Target, Walmart. Actually, I'm I'm sold by a, a, a lot, but just mm -hmm. easily enough by Amazon Google. can be found there. <laughs> right? Google it. Oh, well, I'm actually being sold by Google too. Oh, sweet. oh, awesome! Right. Yeah. So you're at the BYUH bookstore. I am. Oh, I am. Shout so out to cool. David Fanoi Moana. Thank you for selling me. It's the bookstore yeah. manager. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks for coming on. And thank you, yeah. ladies. I've appreciated this. It was so fun. Yeah.
Thanks for tuning in. This was the Zeno Podcast. You can stay updated by following our Facebook and Instagram pages at Zeno Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by BYU-Hawaii's Reading and Writing Center. You can also find us on YouTube or iTunes or by searching Zeno Podcast. That's X-E-N-O Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at podcastzeno at gmail.com. Thanks for learning by listening.